Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to the I Fell Podcast. I'm your host and creator, Shay Ruff, also known as Wisdom by 30 author and owner. What is this podcast about? This podcast is a space where failure is welcome. Our guests and myself will be sharing our failed moments to help you get through yours and be set free from regret. So grab your favorite snacks, drink, friend, while we get free together. See you soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the I Failed Podcast. What are we talking about? We are talking about our life failures and how we overcame them. A lot of people are very embarrassed about their failures. And um, I did this podcast to make sure that we're no longer in bondage to our failures. So we're going to put ourselves on front street so that way you can get free in private. So we're going through it so you don't have to. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, my guests are Angel, Miss Aziza Imani Pelotes, and she is a um, digital coordinator. She's also an audio editor and a ultimate creative. I have the one and only artist who is from New Orleans. His name is DK Manny. You can find him on SoundCloud, SoundCloud and Instagram. And so we're here to talk about failing at opportunities. And so um, to kick this thing off, I guess I'll start. Um, when it comes to opportunities, we always pray for these things that we want to do better in and to receive. But I've been um, presented with opportunities that I just wasn't ready for. So I would jump in head first, unprepared, um, not knowing what I'm doing, and end up losing not only the opportunity, but losing the people who presented the opportunity. And so it happens to us because we want things so bad that we just we just kind of jump in head first with our guidance. So um, Angel... If you want to start, you can go ahead and kick it off and, and speak about one or two opportunities that you had that just didn't work out. The first opportunity was probably when I received a partial scholarship to go to this conservatory in New York City. Um, wow. I was about 17 years old, uh, fresh out of high school, and I didn't even apply to the school. So I figured like one of my dance teachers or art directors just, you know, referred me and that's how I got it. So um, I was really excited when I received the letter. I mean, but when I told one family member in particular, she wasn't necessarily in agreement with it. Yes. And I was so young and not necessarily ready for the world and not knowing how to navigate. I just kind of allowed the adults in my life at that time, their influence to overshadow the opportunity as a whole, you know? Yeah. So like I said, I was 17. I still wanted to try. I still believe the opportunity was God's in because like I said, I didn't apply. There was right. just no, <laughs> all signs pointed to God. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was told I wasn't ready. I was too young. I wasn't going to New York City. I just needed to stay in Atlanta and, and make it work, you know? And I thought about rebelling. You know, you have those moments where you're like, yo, I'm just going to go anyway. But then I thought, when I got there, what was I going to do? You know, I still needed the support of the adults in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. They didn't necessarily see the opportunity the way I did. And I feel like I craved the support I needed way more than I did my own. So, so speak to that, though. Speak to what what did you feel when you got this opportunity, but the people weren't supportive? Like, speak to I, that moment. I, I remember the day it came in the mail. I mean, I was looking for all the colleges I did apply to. So we like, pulled up to the mailbox, and I see Amda. I'm just like, wait, what? Amda? <laughs> Amda? That one? You know what I mean? So I was excited. And when I saw that I received a partial scholarship and I didn't yeah. apply, I was excited. I was elated. It spoke to everything 
I felt as a dancer. You know, I've had 16 years of ballet and modern dance experience. All of that was fun. But to see somebody actually take, you know, a moment, opportunity and believe in me was yeah. that was what I saw that somebody believes in me. I don't yeah. even know who they are. I don't know who they are, but they believe in me. And I believe in myself. And here I am presenting this opportunity to the adults that leave me on a regular. And the, I don't know, the, the reaction was completely different than I anticipated. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. It was just not. That you wait for for like forever. And for something that you didn't apply for, one, you didn't apply for it. And then two, you're presenting it to the people who have been grooming you all your life for this moment. For them mm-hmm. to tell you, yeah, that's great, but ooh, you're not, I don't think you're you should not, go. <laughs> yeah, you're not going. <laughs> like, yeah, you're not going. Like, that that sucks. So what do you think you could have done um, for that opportunity not to fail? I think I should have gotten a second, third, fourth, fifth opinion. And I think more importantly, I should have prayed more and believed that God presented that opportunity for me. Because yeah. if I knew that that was my purpose and that God was all in that moment, he would have given me the opportunity and the people necessary to help me get there, yeah. you know? Because the same people that believed in me, that gave me the opportunity, could have gave given me, you know, some type of guidance for the next step. Like, this is what you're going to do. This is a partial scholarship. You still need more money, but we can help you do this. Yeah. You know, I didn't get another opinion. I didn't go to the people I should have gone to, you know? And I don't know why I think I just... I was hurt more importantly. Like I, that, I think the first thing was I was very hurt by it. But then on top of that, I wasn't sure if I could do it. You know, yeah. it was well, just, and, and that's another thing too. So in opportunities that's so grand like this, like that self preservation, that self esteem comes in, like, am I ready for something mm-hmm. like this? Like, am I really ready for something like this? Did you feel ready? Did you not feel ready? Did you feel like you needed a little bit more time or you could have got ready when you got there? I felt like I could have got ready when I got there because I had been preparing for something like that my entire life. I started ballet at three and I continued on to throughout high school. So I've been dancing the majority of my life. So it was something that I was trained for. You know what I mean? And in most genres, I did ballet, tap, all of that. And I did very well with it. For somebody who has anxiety, whenever I performed, I became the person I knew I could be. I became who God called me to be in a sense. So I knew that that was, that was something I could have figured out. I just needed that push. I needed the people around me to say, you can do this. And here's what we're going to do. That's what I needed. As a 17-year-old who's never navigated the real world, that is what I needed to hear. You know? Yeah. yeah, like, let me help you get there. Or let me just be a support system, whether you, you know, decide to go and it don't work out. Mm-hmm. Or you go and it blossoms. You know what I mean? Because you do need that support either way so what have you gone through the the regret process because we go through that right so we see things that might trigger what we could have got into and it kind of brings up this bring up this emotion of regret like did you go through that did you experience regret what was that like and you talk about anxiety too so yeah like I was just constantly replaying that moment back in my head like I did end up going another school but it wasn't the school I wanted I wasn't necessarily happy and I just kept replaying how the scenario could have gone different ways but I mean after a while it got to a point where I started growing where I was and I started realizing that I was still the same person who received that opportunity and that I could have more. 
and I started seeing it in that light instead of regretting the decision I made and, you know, resenting the people who didn't help me at that time because they were doing the best that they could. Yeah. They did what they thought was best for me. You yeah. know, some people just have a different way of showing how they care and how, how to guide and lead. So I had to look at it from that perspective. And then I, I kind of got peace from it, you know? And so, um, so starting over, because it sounds like you had to start over from losing this opportunity to going into something else. Like what helped you, one, what helped you get started to start all over again? Um, is there a mantra, affirmations, anything like that you did to build up your self-esteem? And if the opportunity presented again, would you be ready for it? Okay, so what helped me start again? Um, I think it was just my spirit and my desire to seek God. I went through this entire phase in my life where I was really looking for God. Like, you know, going to church and you hear about having a relationship. And I was still young, so I was still learning. But yeah. eventually, I found God on my own. And I started reading Iyana Van Zandt's Acts of Faith for people of color. I, I mean, I can't remember specific mantras but it was just a whole book of them and I would read it every day every morning I would get up early make my smoothies work out I was determined to be that dancer who may not necessarily have had the opportunity to present itself but I was going to get it so every day I worked out every day I lost weight every day I, I met those small goals and that was what was motivating me and my spirit to do better you know and um let's say uh, a mantra that I I was going by I can do it. No matter what, as long as God is with me, I can do it. That's There's no that's, that's Yeah, even though it sounds so simple, like I can do it, like we say that haphazardly, but for real, like those words have to leap off into your spirit, so that way you're able to, to, to execute that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I had to insert that. <laughs> no, no, that's fine, that's fine. And then the last one was, um, if, I, if the opportunity presented itself, would I be ready now? Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel like I've had to start over a couple of times mm. since then and um, you know you know how life kind of redirects you when you start making choices hanging around with certain people I got redirected a few times so yeah. where I am right now I'm back at that starting over phase but I'm present with everything I've gone through everything I've learned and I have this vision and this motivation in me that's going to help me get back to that you know yeah. I've been working out every day I pray I meditate I just believe more you know I didn't have that when I was 17 I, I knew that I was trained I was told that I was trained I was told that I was good and I kind of believed it but now I know I am you know yeah. looking back I'm like everything that I was I didn't even see it you know, I didn't even see how great God had made me with what I was doing. I didn't get it, but now I do. So I think starting over in this era, this is the one, you know, this is going to be the opportunity for me. Awesome. And how long ago was that opportunity? That was 2013, um, May of 2013. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, it's definitely been a minute so far. So, so let's talk about in this retrospect, let's talk about, um, mentorship did you have a mentor were they good were they bad did you not have a mentor and you needed one 
Well, I had I had you, of course. <laughs> I've had people in my life to mentor me in a sense. I've always had people that wanted to help me. But um I don't know. Sometimes when you go through life you start doing things on your own, you know? Mm-hmm. Start figuring it out and then you you know, people's lives change. Sometimes people aren't available. So I just got to a point where I started trying to figure it out on my own, you know. I've been told my whole life that was what I needed to learn how to do. So, you know, I figured that's what I would do. So did you not have any dance mentors? I had a few. Yes, Okay. I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. And did you um explain to them what happened with that opportunity and how you felt about it? Did you get their opinion? I did it. And I like that's what I was saying earlier. I should have gotten a second, third, fourth, fifth opinion. I had so many people. I could have asked to help me make a better choice and to not just settle for what I was told to do, you know? Got it. Got it. I think I was embarrassed just to even explain it. You know, at that time, I just, I was just embarrassed. I was hurt. I felt like, you know, discouraged. I felt not very aware of who I was and what I was supposed to do at the time. So I was just kind of lost. Okay. So let me ask you this. Um, what what advice would you give to someone who is in the middle of um, beating themselves up for losing or failing to um, accomplish or t- tackle this opportunity? I would say to that person, um, you can't allow anyone to discourage what God has for you. And um, you have to completely trust your spirit when purpose is at the door so no matter what is going on when it's knocking at the door it's for you you can't allow anything outside of that to influence your decision because it's already made you just have to walk in it um i would also say you must believe in who you are more than than you believe in what how people see you you know yeah yeah like times we believe more of how people see us Versus how we really are and the actual influence we carry. And I think that was my issue. I had, I was very ahead of my time in a lot of ways, but I was so young, I didn't get it. You know, now I'm like, oh, I was thinking like that at 17. I I, I don't know. It was just very, I don't know. It was a very um, weird experience for me. Got it. Okay. So you said, um, you said that you just have to be able to um, to believe in yourself a lot more. So um, fast forward to today. Well, you know what? Let's say this. What what did you do to improve your confidence in you? I started writing affirmations. I started writing how I saw myself versus how I wanted people to see me. You know, mm-hmm. I started accepting me as a whole every part of me and I just started believing who I was and walking in that you know so that nobody could ever mistake who I was nobody could ever place a stigma on me you know what I mean the box right because people do that they see you do something and then they be like oh okay that's your thing and they just think that's your lane for Mm -hmm. good like they don't see you outside of the box that they placed you in Right. Like a lot of people are multidimensional. You know, there are different layers to you as a whole. And I realized I was a person like that. Like I, I didn't want to just be one way. I wasn't just one way. And I had to grow in that by accepting myself first. So really just 
an act of self-love every day over and over until I got it. And even some days now, sometimes I struggle. We all struggle sometimes for how we see ourselves, but it's not really about that. It's more so about what are you doing to continue to love yourself? What are you doing to continue to see yourself in a positive way to motivate you, you know? And yeah, like, also, are you manifesting right now, mm-hmm. right? And then also, have you written your goals down? Have Do you see your goals? Like, are you doing anything yeah. like that? I see them. I feel them. I write them down and I'm making plans. You know, a lot of times I wasn't a plan, a planning type of person mm-hmm. when I was growing up, but yeah. now I see how important it is. Like you can write something down, you can say you want to do it, but if there's no plan or action behind it, it's never going to happen. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm, I'm in the, in the business now of acting on it. Like, you know, um, I'm working on my own short film series. I've already kind of pretty everything I need, all the resources I'm funding on my own. Yeah. I've been practicing in Photoshop, you know, learning, just doing the work. So everything is going to manifest once I'm done with that, you know? Got it. Got it. Do you feel like you're waiting a long time for the new opportunity or that one that you desire? I feel like at, at one point I thought I was waiting a long time, but then I realized there were things I was doing in the present that were helping me get there. Yeah. So I was in my own way and I was stalling and allowing time to go by more, you know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, it was me, you know what I'm saying? So God was telling me, I have this for you, but you aren't ready. And what you're doing, how you're practicing, what you're doing every day is not aligning with what I have for you. So until you can get on that that track, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't give this to you. You won't, you'll blow it. You know what I mean? So. And a lot of like, and, and sometimes God gets real. Like he'll tell, like, look, I I believe in you, but sis, what you're doing right now is not it. <laughs> like having a moment with him, like, sis, no, go ahead and sit down. But that's good. I'm glad you said that because I feel like we ask for things that we're not ready for. I feel like we pray for things that we're not ready for. And um, not to be all, you know biblical and um spiritual or whatever but the the scripture that we all that i've known a lot of people to quote is write the vision make it plain in Habakkuk, right but none of us really not writing nothing like we don't have no notebooks sitting around we don't <laughs> we're not writing the vision at all we just you know going through this thing haphazardly without a plan and so and then sometimes you do have a plan but it's not really detailed it's not it's not detailed at all it's it says I want to be a dancer I want to dance professionally okay what does that look like are you going to Juilliard are you going to different dance conferences are you doing anything in your space to to perfect your craft so i think that's what that's our achilles heel we ask for things that we are not ready for you got to do your research research so that way you won't end up in a situation (laughs) like that and i'm glad that you also said that god had this meeting with you like since you're not ready you're not ready so that that speaks to me that says to me that you have a relationship with God and that he 
actually can have that conversation with you to be like, you're not ready, but let, let me show you how to get ready. Right. And, and, and that's what I'm feeling, you know, like my physique, I've kind of, you know, gained a little weight over the, the past couple of years. You know what I mean? So it's, it's little things like that, working on my physique, working on technique, stretching, meditating, yeah. praying, all of that is what makes a great dancer, you know, a great entertainer. So that's what I'm working on honing at this moment, just getting back to where I was. And then adding and building on to that. So have you tried out for any competitions? Have you been uploading videos? Like, what are you doing? Are you, and, and with the, 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 um, the project that you're working on with now, what are you doing with that? Okay, so in 2018, I was on BET's American Soul. I was on a commercial. And I did six episodes. So wow. that was my most recent accomplishment. And I really think I just got that on a whim. And God just allowed me to flourish in it to where I got more episodes to be on. You know what I mean? Yay. So um, in that sense, yeah, I was still auditioning, still putting myself out there, still posting in a sense, you know, but. At this moment, currently, I haven't been posting dance videos, but I've been working on choreography. And mm. also, in the moment, working on my weight. You know, because sometimes I can be a little self-conscious. And as a dancer, when you have hits, you know what I mean? You have to, they have to be toned, especially as a Black girl. So yeah. I'm to get that confident and comfortable in my physique so that I can do the work. And as far as my short film series every day I'm working on something new I'm learning how to color grade with Ooh. Premiere Pro and this um, tool called DaVinci Resolve so okay. every day I'm in Photoshop working like just learning how to do different techniques learning the craft as a whole because if I want to do this and I believe I can do this I have to to know how to do everything you know yeah. So that's where I am right now. I'm always working on Sunflower Cassette. Um, I just bought some hold on, equipment. Hold on, hold on. Give us the name again. What's the name? The name of my project is Sunflower Cassette. So, and it, so give us, what is Sunflower Cassette? Because that sounds real vintage. It's very vintage. Um, I mean, I, I came up with the name because I love flowers, especially sunflowers. But the cassette is where, you know, that that makes it in a sense, because I love nostalgia. I love vintage retro TV. And that just stems from the relationship that I have with my grandmother. We used to always watch Audrey Hepburn films. I used to love watching the film grain and just the, the distortion. All of that speaks to my childhood. So in a sense, I'm recreating it. I don't know, as a new wave in a sense so sunflower cassette is my baby and i'm working on it and it's gonna happen i believe it's gonna flourish so so it sounds like this failed opportunity in 2012 has led you to a grander opportunity because i'm sorry being on american soul that's huge that that's a huge opportunity to me and so it's open doors for other things and now you're perfecting your craft like 
that's important. So it looks like you're actually flourishing from this failure and that is is really is really taking you places. So um that's awesome. That's really, really awesome. So give us your social media information. How can we find you, Sunflower Cassette? <laughs> okay, you can find me at sunflow.cassette on Instagram and also lovely foofy at lovely foofy L-O-V-E-L-Y F-O-O-F-I-E on Instagram. Awesome. And so when will your project be done? Do you know? I may be putting pressure on you, my bad. <laughs> No, you're not. I mean, I'm I'm waiting to get all my camera equipment, okay. and uh, I plan to start filming in either September or October in that window, depending on what's going on with society at this point in time. But September, October, those are the months I'm looking at to start filming. Awesome. So done. I feel like it should be done by January of 2021, completely finalized. That's the right timeline. But yeah, that's all like it's it's gonna be great. So I thank you for your time today. I thank you for sharing your failure. I know that was a sensitive subject, but we appreciate it. So thank you for joining us. Once again, this is I Fail Podcast. We'll be back with part two with DK Manny and we'll be discussing hey. failures. <laughs> Hey, everybody, welcome back to part two of Opportunity Failure. I have DK Manny with me right now, and we're going to go ahead and kick off this part two. The part one was with Aziza Imani. She left her handling information at the end of that podcast. But let's get straight into this part two because we got some good nuggets from her. So, Manny, yes, yes. thank you for doing this Um, this so uh, exposing <laughs> episode of Talking sure, About Failure. I appreciate Family. you having me. Let's get into an opportunity that you had, and um, it just didn't work out too well. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so I'm um, kind of flip the script. Coming out of high school, um, it's like I had the desire to march for uh, Jackson State University. Um, once I graduated high school, I, um, man, I just truly started creating, you know, different type of uh, excuses as to why I couldn't do it and, and why it wouldn't work. Um, you know, going from New Orleans to Mississippi, transportation, money, not knowing anyone. You know, I, I created all of these mental barriers. Um, and truthfully, I, as time went on, I, you know, I would have done my four years. Uh, ironically, my senior year, which was the year, which would have been my senior year, they went to the SWAG championship. Um, I missed out on that. Just like I said, creating all of just really fear, you know, that fear of not knowing, that fear of just the unknown. And I was just just wasn't able to take life by the horns at that moment you know and I truthfully believe to this day that's probably one of my biggest uh my biggest regrets so your, your story is different and yeah. with Aziza she was saying about the opportunity that she got that she felt like oh man I'm ready I'm ready to take this thing on head first I'll get ready when I get there but you're speaking from a space of I got this opportunity, but I'm not really feeling like this is something for you, for me. So talk about your atmosphere. What was the response to the people you shared this opportunity with? Because Aviva was ready and set to go, but she had people that was closest to her um, that was like, nah, you're not ready. You can't go. But what was your response? What responses did you get when you presented this opportunity to, to the people that were around you? Uh, man, it's interesting because, you know, on that note, bro, I got the complete opposite. 
Um, you know, I had people that was extremely supportive. Um, even, you know, my, my two brothers at the time who were going to, you know, Southern, which is a rival school, you know, they passed the little comments, but they, they kept it to a tone where, you know, if that was something I wanted to do, then they would fully support me. Um, you know, as well as my parents and, and everything, just re really anyone for me that I brought that idea to, you know, uh, I had that support system, uh, per se, I just didn't have the personal, you know, get up and go or the personal, confidence that I needed to kind of see everything through wow okay and so with not having that confidence like where did that stem from like what why was that confidence so at a was, lower level <laughs> it was just man truly just a fear you know what I mean just kind of having the idea of I guess being boxed in mentally you know, I looked at everything that I did. I looked at what everyone was doing uh, after high school. Pretty much everyone stayed in the city, you know, leaving outside of New Orleans, that's home. That's what you learn. You know, you learn to love, you learn to live with. Um, at the time, I just wasn't ready to see that, you know, to leave that behind. I just, again, that confidence factor, man, it played a huge part um, in that decision process. And not just... When I say confidence, I mean myself overall, uh, as well as myself uh, as a musician at the time. It was just, it was hectic mentally. Uh, but like I said, I had the complete opposite. I had a great support system of people who supported me, of people who wanted me to get up and go get out there and do it and, and just really make my dreams come true. I just didn't have it in myself to execute that plan. Okay. Wow. That's, that's, wow. These, these stories are different. D totally different parallels so when did you start playing music what was the first when was the first time you became um attached to music and what was the first instrument that you uh well instrument rather that you played man this is gonna be hilarious for me to say i just told this story to my kids the other day man uh when i was in the third grade <laughs> When I was in the third grade, I took a music class and I ended up playing the violin. It was the first instrument I ever learned how to play the violin. Um, I, I took heed to it because it looked like a, a miniature guitar. And uh, I just thought it was fun, man. It really got me into music um, and to start at an instrument that was, you know, completely different from my environment. Um, and I loved it. You know, uh, I took hold of that and I've been kind of running with music ever since, you know. So the violin was your first tap. First of all, let's let's explore this. You are <laughs> you are a young African American male. <laughs> yeah, man. New Orleans, you know, being from New Orleans, we have some rough spaces or whatever. And right. Of the guys that we know, that we grew up with, they want to play snare, they want to yeah. play cymbals, but <laughs> you that. violin. <laughs> yeah, bro. I you just, know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, um, <laughs> at at that point, man, like I said, for me, I I uh, I heard the opportunity of a music class. So I'm like, man, I want to do this. You know, and uh, when I sat down, you know, I didn't freak out or nothing when we when it was passing out the instruments. I'm like, oh, I'm a 
violin class. Okay, this might not be bad. You know, so we learned, you know, it was cool, man. It definitely, uh, it definitely molded me into the musician I became. Uh, but it definitely was a transition. You know, most people, like you say, you know, uh, being being young, you know, you, you see people play the piano. You see people play the trumpet, you know, the trombone, tuba, things like that, or some type of drum. Uh, you know, like again, the violin probably wasn't an ideal instrument at that time for my my environment, but man, I, I loved it. You know, Don't it feel was. Bad, cool. man. <laughs> I used to play the clarinet because I, I wanted to be like Squidward on SpongeBob. So look, hey. <laughs> that was the reason why I chose that instrument. And I was good. Like I was way better than Squidward. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I have to be honest. The first instrument I played was the flute and I played the flute in second grade no first grade and second grade so so we got a whole (laughs) but see but look check this out dude see that's ideal instruments for for like a female because when you're in a band like when you look at a woodwind section high school HBCU all the way down I mean you see majority majority girls like imagine me now the way you see me playing a violin <laughs> I can see that though. That's I'm saying you great. could. You I could. could. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, shall I imagine me standing in front of the house on Dublin, you hear me, just playing my little violin. Right. Oh, I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. Everybody in the street playing football, basketball, doing whatever. I'm just on a curve hitting my violin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're like, hold on, man. Homie, what the, the boy got? You hear me? Somebody gonna ask something at this point. A lot of questions need to be answered. Isn't he got a violin in the middle of Holly Grove, man? What's, what's this about? Yes, in the middle you know what I'm of saying? For those of you who don't, um, who are not familiar with New Orleans and not familiar with the area that we're talking about. So, yes, we are. I am myself and Manny are from New Orleans. Aziza yep. is from Decatur, Georgia. Um, but Dublin Street is the street that we grew up on um, in the area, which is considered uptown. And we are from Holly Grove. So yeah. um, some of you, if you're Wayne fans, Lil Wayne fans, you've heard of Holly Grove. He has it tattooed on his stomach. But um, <laughs> that's where we're, we're talking about. And so, yes, Holly Grove is anybody who's from Holly Grove and been to Holly Grove, playing the, the violin is not ideal. Like, right. You play for the the hood football or whatever, like at Harrell Park or something like that. But um, yeah, so it was definitely different to be playing violin in a space like that. So okay, so with um with your love for music stemming there, did you have any uh music teachers or music mentors that groomed you for the opportunity that was in front of you? Mm. Um. Ooh. Like overall or in a specific way? Uh, overall. Man, uh, it was a lot that played into it. Okay. Um, my music teachers have been influential you know what i'm saying in some type of way that allowed me to feel like i had what it took to excel as a musician um you know when we look at when we look at it across the board 
Uh, when I talk about high school, March probably under two of the most uh, infamous band directors ever, um, and Joseph Terragano, Rassiso, and uh, Charles Brooks, you know, and those guys, man, both band directors, but it was two different plateaus. You know what I mean? Uh, it was just two different mindsets. Great. I was in the, I was in the midst of greatness the entire time. He taught us the fundamentals. You know, he was he was keen on those things, man. He was a musician himself, who, by the way, plays the clarinet. Uh, so, you know, yeah. So he was a man, a, a damn good musician, but he was a damn good teacher. And, you know, the basis that he taught me in just one year lasted me a lifetime. Uh, because I only got the opportunity to march under him uh, during the year of Katrina. And for what he taught me in those seven seven months, man, they they lasted me a lifetime, even to this day. Um, and when I got back to New Orleans, um, march under Brooks and his resume that was already, you know, exceeding expectations to be one of the best middle school band directors and then go into high school and thrive at that. Um, so... Uh, for me, the the teachings, man, were, were great. You know, I've had one-on-ones with both and things that just last me a lifetime. You know, ideas that were sh- shared, uh, the reason they got into music and the reason they did the things that they did and just kind of shaped me a little bit more. Okay, so here's the thing, though. So so let's let's talk about this. So when opportunities come... And you have great people, great mentors, great support system to get you to the, 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 the what we consider an opportunity of the lifetime, of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. It seemed like you had all of that, but still was unprepared um, and still wasn't ready. And speaking to self-esteem, um, had you battled with self-esteem was it something that you even thought about or was it something that was just your confidence level was revealed to you when this opportunity was presented to you man that's that's a great question um initially man i'm i'm my own worst critic um as far as anything i do man i am my greatest critic there is nothing that no one walking this earth can tell me that i haven't already told myself if not you know, worse, you know, because I knew, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I'm capable of doing. Interesting thing about me just saying all of that. I didn't have that mentality then, you know what I mean? So I, I just looked at what I had around me. I never looked at what was in me. Mm. And to be able to step outside of that ramification and look into yourself and realize, okay, I'm digging and I'm digging and I'm digging, but I'm not really coming up with anything. And that was the, that was the mental battle with myself. You know, I, I know I wanted to do it. I know I saw, when I saw it, I got excited. I, I just wanted to be there. But it was like, okay, get to this point. And it's like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this. Because I'm looking at videos and being in the presence of these these college guys and, and et cetera, and just feeling like, and just feeling like, you know, I needed everything around me. Um, I needed everything to go straight, but again, I just didn't have it, man, and it bothers me. It still bothers me to this day. Yeah. So, um, background—he <laughs> wants to be interviewed too. But um, so Aziza talked about anxiety, and so the reason why I'm I'm cutting to this part is because we, as the African American community, community. 
we don't discuss mental health enough. And so now it's just to a point, the atmosphere now welcomes it because it's a lot of people that's coming out that's like, yo, I've been struggling for years, but I have not said anything because we don't go to therapy, right? End of story. You just don't go to therapy. You don't tell people what's going on with you. Um, what goes on in your house stays in your house. You know, right. we heard, we hear all the time and that's what we heard growing up. So she talked about anxiety. You said the mental health and self-esteem. How did you know, when did you notice it? Notice it was an issue and how did you address it? Um, for me, and I just, uh, I, I noticed and really more than anything with that particular situation, um, that kind of opened my eyes because, you know, something that I felt, you know, so strongly about, so passionate about, um, I just didn't have, you know, I just couldn't create that confidence to balance with it or to even match it and just trying to struggle to figure out why or how, you know, at that time was, was big for me, not knowing that the answer was kind of in my pocket, you know, the whole time, um, simply because, you know, writing had, had been therapeutic for me. Um, since I was in elementary school from first to fifth, um, I was in gifted. I was in a gifted program and I took a bunch of creative writing classes. And the interesting thing about that, it took me, it took for me to put a, a freestyle on Instagram for one of my partners to point that out. Uh, like, you know, all the creative writing, all the creative writing classes we had, you know, taken together. And I was like, man, he's right. You know, and yeah. I took that, I took that through, you know, middle school, high school, college, um, it just became a thing for me. And the last creative writing class I took in college, um, it was it was one of those Saturday classes, man, like one of those eight to 12 classes. And I remember my professor pulled me to the side, you know, at the end of class. And she said, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of how great of a writer you are. Wow. And, you know, I, I, I kind of brush it up. I'm like, I'm OK. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, she asked if she could hold on to that paper to use as an example for the rest of her classes. And that kind of stuck with me for a little bit, you know? Um, so for me, the answer had always been with me the entire time, you know, when I was ever, never, ever not feeling myself or I was ever not feeling up to par, even when I was feeling up to par, you know, writing had always been that thing for me. Um, so to be able to put my, my ideas and my feelings out on paper where there's no bias, you know what I mean? Uh, everything is just unfiltered and you can express yourself as best as possible. And that was, that was my thing. You know, that was how I found a way to deal with pretty much a lot of things in life. Uh, being able to just pick up a pen and pad or go to my notepad and my phone and just jot down how I feel and, you know, create music that people can embrace and enjoy. So it's, it's, it kind of worked hand in hand. Okay. Awesome. So thank you for speaking to that because somebody may be in the same situation where they're like, okay, I got the opportunity I wanted, but my self-confidence right now is not, um, it's not up to par or whatever. So, so tell me what was your biggest takeaway from this opportunity failure? My biggest, um, <laughs> was that I, I possess the ability to see it through the entire time. That's good. You know, um, I, I possess that hands down. Um, I pretty much, I think it was Miranda Hilliard that said the whole time. So, yeah, the whole time, man, for sure. 
uh, I had it there. It was just there, man. And to you know, for me, I'll be honest. Even to this moment, it's kind of an iffy thing because I can say that now and be comfortable with it. But it's like on the back end, it's like, man, you know, the uh, opportunities that could have been created, you know, that that dream that I could have turned into reality. Um, but I've been I've been intertwined with music for so long. I have more than one outlet. You know what I mean? So it's it's still an it's still an opportunity I have. It's still a journey that I'm going to take. Um, but to anyone who ever who ever felt the way that I felt, man, just go for it. You know, I know that's easier said than done, but you have to take that initiative. No one, no one will make that that change for your life. No one will make that adjustment for your life. And even if someone could, it still wouldn't work because they, you know, they're who they are, and you're you. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Yes. Yeah. So tell me now. Um, where you are well first of all when did that that opportunity present itself um this was uh after i graduated high school 2008 2008 man yeah so that was in 2008 and now we're in 2020 so have you been waiting for an opportunity to present itself again do you feel like you've been waiting a long time or do you feel like you've been preparing so that way when this opportunity comes back around again you'll be ready um i feel like the opportunity has already played its part um and what i mean by that is um we look at the idea of it is to me it's all music um it would have been an experience i would have learned a lot more uh but i learned a lot more about myself uh in that downtime to push me further musically um, you know, because man, music is a universal language. You know what I mean? I, I felt like even, and, you know, it's crazy because I felt like all I would have done those four years, I graduated college. You know, I still would have had that passion to write music. I still would have that passion to, to get in front of a microphone and, and do my thing. So I felt like that that opportunity kind of played its course. You know, it was just kind of a hit miss thing. You know, uh, it's like missing a three pointer, but you st- you just in the first quarter. You know, you still got three quarters to play. And you know, that's how I looked at that opportunity. It still it still kind of manifested itself because. Uh, when I listen to certain, when I create certain beats or certain ideas, you know, those references are still there. Um, so for me, and it just kind of played in itself. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Aziza talked about having, um, doing American Soul and that opportunity um, led to op- some more doors opening for her. And for those of you who don't know what American Soul is, American Soul is a um, series that was on BET that uh, surrounded the story, or gave us the story rather, about um, Don Cornelius and the infamous Soul Train. So with her having that opportunity, it opened doors for other things. What was your American Soul moment? Oh, man. Uh, I would have to say, um, for me, when I put out, not my first freestyle, but my first actual, like, you know, recorded track, um that opened up a lot of that opened up a lot of things for me uh unexpectedly um i just was you know in the process of putting music out you know and just seeing how people will respond um from that from that moment uh people man people i know even even to this day that i've created relationships with and network with um that created opportunities for me to for me to network with them as well as work with them um which honestly that landed my first real feature um mm-hmm. i was featured on um artist by the name of dot 
while he was still uh, in Baton Rouge, I was featured on his first mixtape and all new, I'm still green to it. Um, but to hear people that I don't even, I don't even know, say they like my music so far and what I've done, or, you know, who I am. Um, and that's it's just a heartfelt moment. Awesome. So I know uh, DLT, for those of you who don't know, DLT yeah. is also um, a New Orleans artist, but he has expanded uh, quite a bit. <laughs> um, right, okay. right, yeah. So um, he uh, is doing some major features right now. So, yes, that was huge. Um, yes, sir. Salute to the homie, man. A huge opportunity. So what advice would you give to somebody who um who gets the opportunity but doesn't so much believe in themselves if you didn't have the ability to do it the opportunity would have never presented itself in the first place wow that's good that's good that's good yes because that's that's important because it and like i said your story with aziza's story is parallel because you had the support from the the chair Elite team and they was gonna escort you in into your new opportunity, but she kind of was like, I'm standing alone in this hall of opportunity and nobody's here to cheer me on or whatever. Yeah. Um, so with those parallel stories, that's even still it still applies. The ultimate belief um that you need is is absolutely in yourself, the confidence in yourself to do it. So um I don't know, I let's let's all three of us, let's see if we can kind of bring this home for somebody. Um, yeah. uh, let's see. How can we do this? So let's um, let's bring this home. So for, for us in this episode and what we talked about was um, was <clears throat> dealing with opportunities, meaning opportunities were presented to us, but we um, in some form or fashion personally felt like we weren't ready or the people around us felt like we weren't ready. So just, mm -hmm. you know, speak to that. Um, is there any anything you want to add to what you said already? Or is there any tools you want to give somebody at all? Oh, man. Uh, I think I have a... The only thing I would really add into it as far as the part... Um, you mentioned in the support system factor. I, I definitely want to put out that if you're in a position to uh, accomplish something and you bring that idea to someone and they don't truly, um, you know, they don't truly share it the same way that you do, you can't hold that against them. Uh, you shouldn't look at them any differently uh, simply because your dream is your dream. And if you don't hold your dream to a, an expectation, you can't, you know, expect anyone else to. And even when you do, a lot of people uh, won't share the same value that you have for it, and they won't share your dream in that same light. Um, I've heard a lot of times where uh, people feel like, uh, you know, their loved ones have kind of turned away from them because they don't really agree with their dream. And it's not really that. It's just a sharing, just a thought of an opinion. You know what I mean? And if you're going to let one opinion stop the show, then uh, I personally say you need another dream. Uh, because that that shouldn't deter you from something that you 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 really give a damn about. Um, if that was the case, man, I'd have stopped rapping a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? But I, I know my self worth. I know what I'm capable of, and you know I don't have to be that. I guess I don't have to be that arrogant person every time I step in front of a mic or every time I'm asked a question. 
Um, if anything, man, my humbleness has gotten me this far. My humbleness has created the opportunities that I've had, and I'm grateful for all of that. Aziza? Right. So, um, to pick, piggyback off of what Manny said, I, I feel like when opportunity presents itself, you have to believe you're ready. And even yeah. if you aren't, you have to believe in who you are and what you're capable of. And which that kind of like brings me back to having a relationship with God and just having that understanding that this is for you with that spiritual connection and also looking at the talent and what you have as resources, combining those and allowing that to take you first. So for me, I would just say keeping God first and also including yourself in on it. You know, a lot of times we leave ourselves out of things that we are involved in. It's like, this is for me. Why am I not yeah. celebrating me? I don't need a yeah. clap from everybody else. I have to clap for myself. So for me, that that was something that I needed to do. And I just want to encourage everybody to clap for you. People may not see what you're doing right now, but later on, when you got people who have TV shows and fashion lines that are popular, they didn't have people in their corner at that time to believe in them either. So you have to give yourself the opportunity. And that's what I, you know, I, so I have to say. My, my thing to add to that would be if you are your own audience and your own Shirlene team, everybody else will come. Like, mm-hmm. it's you and Jesus alone. Get Take that support. <laughs> In the mirror. Speak to yourself, affirm yourself, and clap for yourself. Walk into each room like you own it, like your name is on the lease, on the building, wherever you are, and and take hold to the opportunity because opportunities come and present themselves in a specific time. And yes, sometimes they do come back. Well, majority of the time they do come back and there are tests that will make sure that you're ready, but definitely don't be that person that missed out completely. Right. um, Manny, give us your uh, contact information. Like where can we find you? What social media wise, how can we connect? Right now, the biggest thing uh, that I'm, I'm dealing with is uh, my SoundCloud. Uh, so you can catch me on that uh, d.k.manni. Okay, cool. <laughs> Aziza, go ahead and give yours again. Okay, my Instagram is at lovelyfoofy, F-O-O-F-I-E. And for uh, my short film project, it would be at sunflow.cassette. And for me, you guys can always come back to this space. We will have more podcasts. If you're um, looking for me on Instagram, you can find me at wisdom by 30. And so we'll make sure we get you these podcasts um, as many as we can. And we hope that this helps somebody and that... um, and that it inspires someone. If you have any questions, you're welcome to email me at wisdomby30 at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.